Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and or completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life, and a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think, laugh, and cry along with us, whether you're in your car, in your kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone you love, getting a mani-pedi while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. Joining me today is a lifelong friend, like actually probably my first friend ever, Danielle Meredith. She is an entrepreneur, a very well-known photographer, a wife, and an incredible mother, and she sits with me in her space. Thank you so much, Danielle, for being on the Safe Haven podcast. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, me too. And we have so many things that we could talk about, but I'm also going to be having you back on the podcast for a variety of different topics. And today we had decided you're going to jump into some birth stories because your two children have a completely different version of how they came into the world. Yeah, big time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that your story specifically with Rome is one that just should not have gone the way that it did. No, (laughs) no, I know. So I'm just going to keep this open for you to just have this space to share your stories because the contrast of Rome's story to Naya's story are just... I can't even, especially yes. too, because we'll get to the fact that I got to photograph your birth story with Naya, which was yeah. one of the highlights of my photography days. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank mm-hmm. you still for coming to that. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, go for it. I mean, the listeners aren't going to have an idea of who you are, so you can even start there. Who are you? What do you do? Ah, so I'm Danielle. I'm a wedding photographer in Halliburton, but I work mostly, I would say, in the Toronto area. Um, I have two awesome kids. Rome is three and Naya is one. Uh, they're crazy and I'm just constantly chasing (laughs) after them and chasing dreams and just doing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and then I think also something I wanted to mention today is that I kind of have like a fiery personality. And Mm -hmm. so when it comes to my birth stories, I sometimes get fired up when I talk about it uh just the first one being not the greatest and the second one was amazing so anything I say just know that my opinion and my feelings are mine alone that does not mean like either of these are going to be your experiences and it does not mean like anything I say is going to put any kind of negative I hope no negative feelings on birth or on uh your opinions or thoughts on it. So yeah, thank you for that. That's actually a really good disclosure disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go for it. So you're married, you're ready to start your family and you had a pretty decent pregnancy. Yeah, with Rome I did. Oh yeah. And it was fast. We got pregnant quickly with Rome, thankfully. Um, And I did want to go to the, the midwife route because I find that's more my personality. And then with, uh, with that I told a friend and she had suggested listen I have this great group of female doctors from Peterborough I really enjoyed them Uh, you should go that route since you just want women in the room and um, you want to do it in the hospital for your first time anyway so it's like kind of the same thing did not end up being the same thing whatsoever 
Um, they were family doctors and the care before pregnancy, like they took five seconds to look at you. They, you were just a number, you were in and out of that clinic so fast. And, uh, I think, I don't know, when were those weddings? Like oh my gosh. six or seven or even eight weeks before I was due. Yeah, exactly. And Amanda and I actually, she was second shooting for me and we went to three weddings that weekend. Yes. Back to back, like one in Sudbury, one in Halliburton, one in Whitby. Yes. And it was just insanity. But I was having this crazy back pain. And mm-hmm. like we were laughing about it because I'm driving like so pregnant. I'm like, oh, something is wrong with me. Like mm-hmm. my back hurts. This must be a pregnancy thing. And you have an extremely high pain tolerance. So that to me, when you were like, I think I needed Tylenol. I was like, this isn't normal. Yeah. And then at the end of the second wedding, yeah. I almost fainted from mm-hmm. the pain. I was like, oh, okay, this is not good. Mm-hmm. So then I started going to my group of doctors and I was saying, listen, I've got this really horrific pain in my back. Um, It's like right in my flanks. It is burning. I can't even sleep. I'm throwing up. I'm convulsing in pain. And I had been in and out of this hospital so many times and they literally brushed me off and said, go do yoga, go swimming. You're just pregnant. Like that's normal. And I kept saying like, trust me, it is not like, it is not normal. I feel awful. Um, And then eventually I went to a couple different hospitals, a couple different doctors and one of the Toronto hospitals because I was supposed to be at a photo convention and I couldn't go because I was in so much pain I couldn't even sit I couldn't do anything but just lay there like full of Tylenol finally went to a hospital in Toronto and they did a couple tests and thought that I had a kidney infection so from there they put me on antibiotics I think But I was like, okay, this still does not feel right. Like nothing, this isn't helping at all. After like three days, the pain had not subsided. So I went to my family doctor here in Halliburton and I was like, you literally need to do every single thing you can to find out what is wrong with me. I am not by any means exaggerating this pain. Like this is so severe. So... Um, I think I even like I told her to stick her finger in my butt. I was like, am I severely constipated? Like what could be causing this pain? So she was like, okay, let's get you an ultrasound and see what's going on. I want to check your kidneys out because if you keep saying that your flanks are hurting, then maybe it's your kidneys. So I went in and as I'm getting one kidney like like, uh, under the ultrasound and then Gavin literally has to turn me over because I'm in so much pain crying um, and she's at the other one. And then the doctor takes a look at the, whatever the pictures are. And uh, right then he was like, oh my God, I have no idea how you have been living through this. You have hydronephrosis severely in both of your kidneys. Like they're going to shut down. You need to go get this baby out now. And I was like, I knew something was wrong. Yeah, exactly. So they jacked me up on so much morphine. And he was like, do you want an ambulance to go to Peterborough? Like we need to get this baby out. And I was like, this was three weeks before I was due and I was like no uh that's not going to change my pain like I'll just go with Gavin I I just laid down in the back seat on the way to the hospital and this was like in the middle of the night I want to say so we got to Peterborough in the morning um they monitored me for a little bit and I was already somewhat contracting just from stress alone and uh so they came in and I didn't want men involved in 
other than Gavin, of course, I didn't want them involved in my pregnancy or in birth. That's my own personal feeling on it. Um, I just don't think that they could ever fully empathize with a woman. Like they would never, even for women who don't ever want children, at least they can more so put themselves in the shoes of a woman. So I had already told my doctor this. She was like, okay, no problem. She came in anyway with like a, a male nurse and she was like, can he be part of this and I said I am so sorry I know that you want to learn I really don't want men involved I don't think I can feel fully comfortable and fully calm so no thank you and I'm sorry but I I hope you get another birth today um and then they honored that at that moment they she asked him to leave the room Mm -hmm. she checked me and I was already four centimeters dilated and uh which is a lot for three weeks early and like not even starting labor yet. So she said that she was going to break my water and we were going to have the baby. And then another doctor came in and it was a male and she goes, I want his opinion. And I said, like, no, why does he need to check me? Like you've checked a million cervixes. I'm sure it's fine. And, uh, she was like, no, like I, he needs to check you, but you can't even say that. This is part of what I hated so much about this experience is your body is your own in birth and no doctor can tell you what to do with it. And they can't tell you they're going to check you. They can't tell you they're going to put you on drugs. They can't do those things. They need your permission. So make sure in birth you are being asked, not being told you are the ringleader of your birth and you can make whatever choice you want for you um so for my own personal choice I didn't want men I didn't want drugs I wanted everything to be natural and you had Um, done so much mental prep for all of this too your hypnobirthing and you were like working on your breathing and everything to prep yourself for this yeah big time like I put a lot of work in beforehand and I just really wanted that experience for me Mm -hmm. and uh so when he came in and I said, I don't want men involved. She just said, well, he needs to check you. I need his second opinion. And I was like, that's really weird. And I was just like, well, okay. Like, I, it sounds like I don't have any other choice. So he checked me and he was so rough that I had to hold the sides of the bed and pull myself away. And I said, you're hurting me. You need to stop. And he pulled his hand out and there was blood all over it, which throughout this kidney process, I was in and out of hospitals with people like checking me and trying to see what was wrong with me and no one had ever made me bleed like not even a spot and I was just like oh my god you're a monster even his energy as soon as he came in the room I was like oh this man there's something about him and I just don't want him involved in this so when he did that um he said yeah she needs to have her water broken um, and then we're going to put you on Pitocin and Pitocin is a hormone uh, like an artificial one that helps get contractions going and I said I'm already four centimeters and I have like had pre-labor for, I don't know, weeks. I think my body's pretty ready. I want to see how this goes without it. Um, I don't want Pitocin. They huffed at me and just walked out of the room and I was like, okay, what next? And Mm -hmm. she came in, she came back in and she broke my water. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, like I felt a million times better. My kidneys freed up, but because my kidneys were almost in failure, I had to have a catheter put in and out during labor. It wasn't bad. Like I literally don't even remember that. Um, so I had a catheter put in and out during labor and I was just walking around Mm -hmm. and I was having a great labor. It was very manageable. Uh, and then, 
I was sitting on a yoga ball and I was like, oh, the male nurse kept coming back in. So that was the other thing with this doctor. She just like didn't respect my request at all. So the male nurse kept coming back in and like in the, in between a contraction, like right towards the end too. So it's like my intense contractions. He was like, how are you doing? And I was like, pal, I have not had to ask anyone for anything this whole time. And I'm just chilling. I'm probably okay. Please leave the room. Mm -hmm. He came in again. And I was like, I am so sorry. I am in labor right now and I'm trying to be calm. I'm not going to bite your head off or be one of those like crazy screaming at you people in labor. But if you don't respect me, I'm going to leave the room and don't come back. I shouldn't even be asking you this. So that was another thing that was really annoying. Um, And then when it came time to push, I was like sitting on a yoga ball and I was like, okay, like I either need to take a giant poo or I think I have to push. And because it had only been like a few hours, I don't, at this point, I think it was like they broke my water at 10. This is one Mm -hmm. o'clock. So it was three hours of labor. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know I think I have to push and the nurse was like well that was really fast for your first baby I don't know she's like okay let's check you out and then she was like oh yeah no you're 10 centimeters like let's go go time so I started pushing in every position imaginable Mm -hmm. on the toilet on my side on my other side like standing up squatting everything because it was a lot of pushing it was like three hours of pushing I was exhausted obviously I hadn't slept for weeks because of the kidney thing and then I was exhausted because labor no matter how short or long is exhausting it's crazy and then um so in between contractions I was like really trying to rest like in between pushing and I was just so tired and I felt it like I was just kind of nearly falling asleep and then um the doctor so as I was pushing because like with the progress you can see the head coming the head coming and then it kind of sucks back in Mm -hmm, because if mm -hmm. you're not past a certain point yeah that's what happens um but I had read with pushing as long as you aren't in any distress and your baby's not in any distress you don't need to limit your push hours as long as you're both healthy and you feel like you can do it you can push for nearly like I think nearly as long as you want so I knew this and I was like no I can do it I just need like a different position I just need some like encouragement so any time that I was pushing and like nothing was progressing, she would go, oh, oh, oh. And then eventually she just got fed up with it and goes, so you can't do this, can you? You're too tired, aren't you? Yeah. And then oh. goes, okay, pick. You can either do Pitocin and episiotomy. You can do forceps or you can do the vacuum. And I was like, uh, like in the middle, like at the intense labor pushing and I was like um I don't know like so she showed me the vacuum and I was like okay that looks like a small fine contraption which lots of people have used I know Mm -hmm. plenty of people who have had it and had absolutely no problem with it um there's like a one in 16,000 chance that something severe is going to happen I was the one in 16,000 and uh the monster doctor came back in and I was like, what is he doing in here? And she was like, oh, I'm just a family doctor. Like I'm not an OB. I can't do things like this, which I had no idea about any of that. Yeah. Until it's all of the doctors, like Mm -hmm. in any pregnancy, they never told me this. Like if anything happened, they couldn't do anything past just delivering my baby. Mm -hmm. So, um, he came back in and I was just 
I felt so much fear from this man and I could just sense his awfulness. My friend Jen was photographing the birth and uh, he looked right at her and he goes, as long as this contraption is in my hands, you put that camera down. So saying that, I'm like, oh my God, I am terrified. Mm -hmm. Why would you say something like that? And so sure enough, well, Rome was also in a difficult position. I can't remember the term for it. He was just slightly sideways. So he like reached his hand up to turn Rome so that he could put the vacuum on the proper part of his head to help get him out. And he didn't put it on the right part of his head. He put it off on the side and he pulled even when I wasn't pushing. He literally yanked Rome from my body with this vacuum. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was, and I said, I'm not pushing. Like you need to stop. But he didn't. He just completely tore him out of my body. And when he came out, like Rome was really lethargic. He was fine, but I can't remember what his score was. But he got put on me and he was very floppy. And I was like, oh, so I'm just rubbing him and I'm like talking to him. He was crying like he was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But they put a hat on him before they gave him to me. And we didn't notice like anything. So once they took him away to like weigh him and everything and they were like, oh, yeah, he's a little lethargic, but he's okay. And let's just try breastfeeding. We'll give him back. So they've got him all wrapped up. They've got a hat on him. Um, He just left the room the doctor did like I've never seen him again I've never talked to him again um probably lucky for him Mm -hmm. and then uh I was trying to breastfeed him and Gavin was like what is this like giant ring of blood on his head and so we took the hat off and where the vacuum had been his whole scalp was like ripped off um so that was shocking and I was like oh my god what happened to him and after like after that they were like oh we're just gonna put some Vaseline like it should heal pretty quickly they still never really said anything and I was like oh god that's awful like I feel Mm -hmm. so bad for him then we got moved into like the recovery room and he was in there with me but the doctor came in with the pediatrician and checked his head out and on the other side of his head there had been um a big like a large bump where it looked like liquid was pooling underneath his skin like on top of his skull and she was like oh that's not a good sign we're gonna take him to the NICU to monitor him I'm still not really being filled in exactly Mm -hmm. what that could have meant and I'm exhausted I'm like out of my mind so I don't even know what questions to be asking like if you're in the care of somebody you kind of just trust them right like you you think that they're always doing the best and like telling you the best and Mm -hmm. so I was like okay So I went into the NICU lots to try to breastfeed him and stuff. And then as I was sleeping through the night, um, nobody came to me or woke me up or anything. Like I just slept for a little while. And then the morning came and the doctors are all coming in. Like I have a, a, the pediatrician comes back, a nurse, the doctor. And she goes, okay, so your son's being packed up in an incubator right now because he's being flown to sick kids. He might need to have his head cut open because he has a severe brain bleed and I was still like completely out of it she goes oh and he stopped breathing last night uh he had to be resuscitated uh we did a cat scan we can see the bleed in his brain so he needs to go to sick kids like this is bad and still I'm sitting there in shock I literally think all I did was go okay 
I didn't ask anything. Like mm-hmm. I was just so confused. Um, and then I called my mom to tell her this and I think it kind of set in because mm-hmm. I just started bawling and I was like, mm-hmm. can you just tell like the main people who need to know this? I mm-hmm. need to go mm-hmm. to the NICU and see Rome. Like I have mm-hmm. no idea what's going on. Uh, so I went to the NICU and yeah, he was being packed up in a incubator to be put in the helicopter. And That's I was right. like, and you couldn't go. No, they were like, you can't come. And I didn't even like fight them on it. Like I just didn't know what was going on. So because I didn't have any drugs or anything, I didn't have anything to like leave my system. They were like, you don't need any further checks. We'll discharge you right now. You and your husband can drive to Toronto. Uh, so I went with Gav after we got all checked out and stuff and when we were in Toronto and sick kids, they were so amazing. They were like, I can't thank them enough for their amazing care that they gave us. Um, it's so what they're telling me is he can't eat anything. He can only be on IV fluids cause they might have to open up his brain and put a, a, a stint, mm-hmm. a stint in mm-hmm. to drain the blood out of his brain. Um, and I'm like, Oh my God, this is literally the worst. What am I going to do? like I was terrified I was like what if we lose him Mm -hmm. what is gonna happen so I think about three or four days later they did another MRI because well before this they said there's like there are some neurological signs that can be like permanent brain damage or it's just a really bad sign if he's got a high-pitched scream if he's got tremors and there was one more thing I forget he had all three of those things so I'm terrified like I would leave him every night because they were like you need to go get proper rest and wake up every three hours to pump if you plan on breastfeeding because usually your baby would be with you doing this so I'm setting an alarm for every two hours because I was like I'm doing this for him like I have to make sure I get milk that's what's going to make him strong and I need to get back to him as soon as I can in the morning and so after all of that um he still couldn't eat but I had a whole bunch of milk stored up for him and yeah I think three or four days later they did an MRI to see that's my dog to see if the brain or the bleed had started going like dissipating Mm -hmm. or if they needed to open him up so Mm -hmm. thankfully half of the blood had dissipated back into his brain which is exactly what they want they're like this is a good good sign I think he hadn't stopped the tremors by then, but he had stopped the high-pitched scream. So that was also awesome. Uh, so it's kind of looking up and I'm still unsure about everything, but then eventually he could be bottle fed so he could have that. So that started getting better. And then uh, he had a final MRI. So I think we were there for a week in total. And his final MRI, they said, if his if the blood still looks the same, or if it's better, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Like you can leave tomorrow if it's better. Yeah. We were like, oh my God. So they did the MRI and we got it back and it was amazing. And mm-hmm. he is like a whip now. So it's totally, like, he's completely fine. Yeah. Um, I know everybody in their head right now is probably thinking, oh my God, did you sue that doctor? What did you do? I did talk to a bunch of lawyers and because there was no permanent damage, which that's all we could ask for but because there was no permanent damage um there was nothing we could do so they suggested complaining about him to the I forget what it's called the collegiate of doctors or something Mm -hmm. like that uh I have yet to actually do that which is horrible and I should because this should not be happening to anyone else he 
that same doctor ended up delivering a friend's baby of a friend of mine's baby and he scared her so much he gave her an unnecessary episiotomy because Did she thought, know going into this that it was the same doctor I think so Ugh. yeah so I try not to say his name or talk about it too much because I don't want to scare anybody but at the same time I kind of want to educate people on being like okay well this person like shouldn't be with other humans mm-hmm. it's so unbelievable mm-hmm. how horrible he is and his reviews are terrible I'm just so shocked that he's a doctor so yeah. um but now Rome's great he's and incredible nice. yeah he's he's the neatest eh? yeah what a cool little dude yeah he's super fun yeah and uh yeah and then Naya's birth was but then yeah so fast forward you know and well I guess about a year and a bit and then you're pregnant again yeah with a terrible pregnancy, but an incredible delivery. Yeah. So go for it, girl. Yeah. So it took us a while to get pregnant with Naya, probably like six or seven months, which in the grand scheme of, I know a lot of people struggle mm-hmm. much more than that. So I'm very thankful. Um, but yeah, and I was pretty sick with Naya, like mm-hmm. smells would bother me. I was throwing up every morning and that was like halfway through the pregnancy. And then I was just like really exhausted. And you had decided right away that it was midwives. Midwives start. I finish. decided midway through labor the first time. Why <laughs> did I not go with midwives? True. Like yeah. I was so mad at myself. I knew it was the route I wanted. I should have just done it. Mm-hmm. Um, something about midwives too that a lot of people don't know. You can have hospital births. You can have epidurals. You have every choice in the world. And they educate you on making the best one. And they fully support you these women are so about you having the best birth experience whatever that means to you Mm -hmm. these midwives got to know you on such a level that they knew your birth your birth plan inside out so that no matter what they could advocate for exactly what it is you wanted had you have chosen to be in a hospital or even at home which is what you did but I loved that they would honor your choices yeah start to finish I was so respected throughout this process like the difference in care is like you can't even compare it Mm -hmm. they were just absolutely wonderful to me and I would suggest them to anybody even if you have like questions if you're unsure definitely just reach out to them because Mm -hmm. you will be so surprised at like the you get better care in my opinion and again my opinion I I know tons of people who have had beautiful births with doctors and hospitals it just wasn't my experience and it also was never my style it just wasn't something I wanted anyway so when I got pregnant with Naya I think even before I was pregnant with her I was reaching out to them I'm like I'm trying just so you know like I want you to be ready I need to get in with you I want to have a home birth I do not want to be put back in that hospital because the other thing is I felt like I would have a lot of anxiety going to the hospital Mm -hmm. um, because of what I had previously gone through so yeah I got in with them right away thankfully because I had literally prepped them to be Mm -hmm. like I'm on I'm trying just yeah I have to be with (laughs) you And uh, they took so much time at every appointment. They were so, so wonderful to me and I'll never be able to thank them enough. I still talk to all of them and I still thank all of them. They've delivered tons of my friends' babies and it's all been beautiful experiences. Um, And that's in hospital, that's with epidurals, it's at home. Like one of my best friends just gave birth at home and um, she had a great, like obviously labor's crazy. And like birth and pushing is all a little crazy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in general, she had a really great experience. Yeah. Um, so for me, I wanted to do it at home and they fully supported that. They have a full birth kit that you take home. They prep you 
weeks in advance. They just make sure that you have everything you need at home. You have a checklist. They give you a binder. You go through absolutely every plan possible. Mm -hmm. And if you did have any anxieties about it, they will answer every question so that you have a plan that Mm -hmm. you are fully comfortable with. Um, So mine was just... Uh, I might hop in the tub and just have a baby in the tub and that's what I want to do. And I don't have much of a plan past that. I just want to have a nice, calm birth at home surrounded by women and Gav. Mm -hmm. So you were there photographing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, My sister-in-law, Rach, was there. My best friend, China, was there. And the midwives Mm -hmm. and Gavin. And so Naya, just like she is now, ready for anything, she kept trying to come out like, way before like I think six weeks before I was due I had like false labor well not even false labors I literally had to sedate myself and chug water and make sure that she wasn't coming out because you also can only have a home birth three weeks before your due date otherwise because of lung development in the fetus you need to be in a hospital mm-hmm. just in case they need anything so like stay in there girl yeah Rebecca actually like lectured me and put me on bed rest she was like yeah. you need to stop I remember that and for anyone that knows Danielle knows you they're like uh yeah that is very difficult for you to do I literally had a wedding the day after she said that to me mm-hmm. and I was like uh, <laughs> I have a wedding she was yeah. like cancel it I was like I can't yeah um and thank goodness I went to that wedding because that's where I got Naya's name from that's right the couple have a daughter right. named Naya and she's so sweet and I was like they told me what the name meant and I was like guys can I steal your name mm-hmm. I love that name and she, they were like yeah of course and now I still talk to them all the time mm-hmm. I've been to their house lots yeah. and they're amazing so thanks for the name guys if you ever listen to this <laughs> yeah so she the kept day trying itself, to come out. well I was just even yeah. gonna say so we'll talk about that because the day mm-hmm. itself even by the time you had actually been you're told to be on bed rest she's trying to come out and right leading up to it everything was like super speedy yeah. And then the day of, I just remember being such a beautiful day. I was on standby. You're yeah. like, this is what's happening. Yeah. Because what ended up happening is my labor last time was so quick that they were like, okay, well, if that was so quick, you might be really quick the next time. Yeah. So how about if she just keeps trying to come once you hit 37 weeks, we're just going to let her come. We're going to stop making you take gravel and chugging water and like putting you on bed rest. Clearly this baby wants to come out of your body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. So they were like, well, what if we just come on like near 37 weeks and if like you're feeling kind of crampy and if you're feeling everything, we'll give you a stretch and sweep, which is just like separating Mm -hmm. your, I want to, I don't know, I'm going to say this, but I don't 100% know if this is exactly what it is. I think they just like separate your cervix from the baby's head or something like that just to like get you cramping and kind Mm -hmm. of get things moving. So Rebecca tried and she was like, you are fully like thinned. You, I can't get your cervix and like I can get you to six centimeters right now with just my hand. Like this, this is not going to take any time at all. Mm-mm. She goes, use your breast pump for a minute and you'll that go right into labor. my mind. Same. As soon as you put the breast pump on, you started contracting. I was like, is this real life? Well, it's because I was already like nearly in labor for like two weeks before this. Truth. So yeah uh I just used my breast pump and I went Mm -hmm. right into labor Mm -hmm. and it was the chillest labor ever and you were walking around you're drinking water yeah just chatting to everybody loose hips kind of bouncing around I could not believe it yeah it was amazing and Mm -hmm. then at one point I was like oh I think I'm feeling like it's starting to get a bit more intense Mm -hmm. so maybe I'll hop in the bath 
And then my bathtub wouldn't fill up for the first time ever. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? So I got in anyway, just to like chill and get in there a little bit. And when I was in there, I said, could this make me like too relaxed? I literally feel like labor slowing down. Like I just don't feel like the contractions were still coming, but they were just so chill. Mm -hmm. And she was like, maybe she's like, if that's how you feel, get out, have a pee, bring that baby's head down some more. And then we'll see how it goes from there. So I pee and like, cause you empty your bladder, which is underneath Mm -hmm. everything. So as soon as I did that, she really started pushing down and I was like, Oh, okay. And she goes, okay, go lay on your right side in bed and have a couple contractions there. And then we'll flip you over. And then I bet your baby will come out. And I was literally like, Oh my God. As if after what happened the first time, I was like prepping myself. I'm like, I can do this. I'm going to push like a freaking crazy person. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to get this baby out. So I go lay on my right side and contractions then were like, oh baby, like that was, they were getting intense. And then I had a couple there. I feel like you could almost like help with the time, I think, right? Oh yeah. A couple. Yep. yep. And then I like needed help flipping over because Naya had really started moving oh, yeah. down. Yep. And then, um, I remember when she said to Gavin, are you ready to catch this baby? And I was like, uh, what now? Yeah. Like well, how is this she so goes, soon? How is this so fast? Cause she said you have a huge, like your amniotic fluid is all sitting above the baby's head. Mm -hmm. So if I just break that water, but if you're okay with it, like that was the thing all the time. If you're okay with it, like consent for everything. Yeah. And so it was like, I felt so comfortable and I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. If Mm -hmm. you think that's best, let's do that. So when I got flipped over to my left, she goes, okay, I'm going to break the water and your baby's going to come out. And I'm thinking like, oh, you're going to break my water and it's push time. Mm -hmm. So with a contraction she broke it and I remember because I have it on video China just started taking a video because I asked her if you think about it and you think any like key moments are happening just take little videos for me so she thought oh breaking the water there's a video starts taking a video but then I go oh because now I had like fully come down Mm -hmm. and she goes okay dad come catch the baby Or are you okay? Are you are okay you with yeah. like Gav catching the baby? Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Like now? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, uh, it's basically yeah. the same contraction. Yeah. And so he came around, and she's like, slow the baby, slow yeah. the baby. And like China's still filming because she's like, oh my god, I think the baby's literally here. And sure enough, <laughs> Naya literally just starts coming out of my body. Like uh-huh. I didn't even push. Uh-huh. And she goes, okay, Gav, yep, grab the baby. Here we go. So Gav just grabs Naya out of me and just puts her on me. Naya instantly starts crying. Mm-hmm. It was like. I was sobbing. So, I'm surprised I could even capture a photo because my eyes were just. Oh yeah, that's all I can hear in the video is you going. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then they put her on me, and uh, I just snuggled her for a while, and like put the blanket on her, and you're like, she, I, I love you're like, is this real? Yeah, I was like, like I can't believe this I was know. so perfect. I'm I like know. bawling because I was like so shocked. Yeah at what a safe, wonderful experience it was Mm -hmm. after my first experience. That's right. But the thing is, is I knew this was going to be my experience. I knew it was going to be so much better because it was what was right for me. Yeah. And a ton of people were like, you're having a home birth. Like, are you a psycho? Look what happened to you the first time. And I was like, the decisions of doctors is why it happened to me in the first place. Mm -hmm. They weren't advocating for me. They weren't telling me to get up and push in a different position. They weren't like, helping me to move the baby to see if we could like get him in a better position to come out they weren't doing any of that Mm -mm. they were the reason my birth went so terribly Mm -hmm. so when you put the woman back in power and you respect their body and you know that like this is what women are built to do 
then you're going to have a way better experience and midwives know this. So yeah, I just, I guess like a lot of close family members were like, you're crazy for doing this. But then Gav's grandma, she's a nurse and she was actually like, you know what, Danny, no one could make this decision better than you. And you know your body and you know your last experience. I think it's a brilliant idea. I think you're going to do great. Yeah. And but it was funny. Encouragement, yeah. Right? And it that's was funny. Awesome. Someone from a medical profession saying that to me, mm-hmm. but she knew me and she knew like you would never make these decisions if you didn't think it was safe. No. And I wouldn't be allowed to have a home birth if it wasn't safe. If I had any kind of risk factor, if the kidney thing had have happened again, which they were monitoring for every single time I went in, I had to do tests to make sure that that wasn't going to happen again because it's preventable. So they just made sure I had a wicked safe wonderful experience Mm -hmm. and um yeah and Naya was fully fine they did all of her measuring there they they stay for a few hours and then I'm literally in bed eating chili Mm -hmm. as she is being weighed and everything and then they just give her back to me and then once everything was fine like my mom brought Rome and Rome came and met her and then everyone is gone and Gavin brings and I out in the living room and Rome, we put Rome to bed and Gavin and I just watched a movie on the couch. Yeah. Like that was, that was my day of birth. It was like the most chill, relaxed, amazing experience. And Mm -hmm. I was just so thankful for it. No kidding. Yeah. I love that you were able to clarify that if in fact you had decided that you wanted a home birth and you were not okay for it, that you wouldn't have been able to do it. They they would just completely say, no, like this is not good for you. This is not good for the baby. This is dangerous. Yeah. And And you would get to that for sure. But yeah, you were cleared. Yeah. And they said like, if she comes any earlier than 37 weeks, I know you don't want to go to a hospital, but you have to. Like they had my back fully and they were, they're perfectly safe. They have all the equipment they need. They are specifically trained for this. Mm -hmm. They've been through everything, every scenario. And I've heard a million different scenarios from Mm -hmm. it and they're, they know how to get out of emergencies Mm -hmm. and they can predict an emergency is going to happen if things aren't going like they're supposed to be going. Mm -hmm. But mine was like flawless textbook. Couldn't even believe that I had that experience next. I remember watching the video over and we were trying to time it even. And the video itself is like two and a half minutes long. Yeah. It's start to finish. Yeah. So that's birth was like a minute and a half long fully. Yeah. From her breaking my water in one contraction to Naya being out was like a minute or a minute and a half. Unbelievable. But so I love that they honored you and they allowed your body to do what it is meant to do on its own time. Yeah. Yeah. And they just trusted me. They kept saying, well, how do you feel during labor? And um, if you think you need to push, then push. If not, then don't. We're here if you need us. Mm-hmm. But they also just left me. Like they sat in the living room. I set up a huge snack table for everybody. And I was like, yeah, everyone chill. Or you can come hang with me. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's do whatever. It was incredible. Yeah. What a special day. It was freaking awesome. I'm obviously not a mom. However, I remember overhearing some of the best advice that if I ever did take that route that I would remember forever. And that is you can shop for doctors and you can shop around for your care and your midwives. And you don't need to just take the first one that comes. If it doesn't feel right and it doesn't suit you, you can either request someone different or you can go somewhere else, go to a different clinic. And I think that that's huge advice. If you don't feel comfortable and you don't feel respected, you need 
to change your care. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say if what is going to make you feel comfortable is being with a doctor, being in a hospital, have an epidural, do those things. Do what's going to make you feel comfortable. That's right. Just make sure you're being respected and heard because birth can be a very wonderful, special experience. Yeah. And of course, there's always going to be issues and like that will happen to some people. But I think if you don't feel right, you have to get out of that situation. Mm -hmm. So, and it's hard because especially in the craziness of labor. Oh yeah. You can't really make those decisions that well. So make sure you're doing them before. Like just make sure you're happy and comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that can be in any form of what you see for your birth. That's right. So let's say that someone listening is planning their family or they are pregnant, newly pregnant, um, maybe going through in vitro. What would some steps be right off the bat do you think when it comes to choosing a practitioner? I think that you should definitely reach out to both. Um, Reach out to an OB and reach out to a midwife and meet with them both. Just see what is going to be best for you, what's going to make you comfortable because you could have had the OB in your mind the whole time and Mm -hmm. then you meet the midwives and you're like, oh, they feel so comfortable. They feel like they really care. and Or maybe the opposite. Who knows? Maybe... You really wanted midwives, but this specific group that you're with, obviously not the Halliburton group. This would be some other midwives, but, um, Mm -hmm. and you were like, oh, this just doesn't feel right. Then go talk to an OB, Mm -hmm. talk to both, get all of your questions out for both and just see who is going to give you the best vibe to give you the calmest and best birth for you and your baby. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you're open to people reaching out to ask you questions. Um, Oh yeah. 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 I'm here for all of you. Like motherhood and pregnancy and birth is all such a crazy complicated mm-hmm. but amazing thing and yeah. I have both experiences and I'd be so happy to go through either one of those things with you mm-hmm. and in anything in motherhood yeah. reach out in pregnancy reach out because sometimes like you just don't have what you wish you did and I am an open book and I mm-hmm. will be very real with you mm-hmm. and hopefully try to comfort you because yeah, it's, it can be scary and weird and there's so much to go through, through Mm -hmm. it all. So obviously I'm zero expert, but if I can do anything to help, I'm so happy to. You're very approachable in any way. So for any, anything (laughs) really, (laughs) thank you so much. And if people are to reach out, are they going to use your Instagram, our adventure fam? And I can link that at the bottom or sure. Yeah. Either one, my photography or my personal is fine okay so I can link those so for anyone listening that is interested I do have them linked at the bottom of the podcast where the notes are so that you can reach out and Danielle thank you thank you and you you will obviously be back because you and I have 101 things that we could talk about so yeah yeah (laughs) okay well thank you and to my listeners thank you so much for listening to another episode of the safe haven podcast Please make sure that you like, subscribe, rate, review, do all of those things. And if there is just one that you would like to do, if this really hit home or if this is an episode that you feel like someone else should be listening to, please screenshot it on the device that you are listening to this on and send it onwards, whether you share it in your Instagram story or whether you just send it in a text message or a WhatsApp or a Facebook message to a friend that would be so greatly appreciated. That is all I have for you today and I will talk to you next week.